So good morning and um, here we are ready to tackle California. So I just wanted to first of all give a few um, sort of basic facts about um, about the state, about how it's uh, comprised and the uh, volumes and grapes that it, it, it grows. So California is the largest uh, volume producer of wine in the US, about 80% um, of the the wine produced in the USA comes from California, and there are over 250,000 hectares planted to vine. Um, The AVAs in California, just a quick um, pause, AVAs, American Viticultural uh, Areas, which are kind of like Appalachians in the old world, except they don't have the same rules regarding the grapes that you can grow, the yields that you can produce, or um, the vinification methods used for specific wines. So they're, they're kind of delimited by, um, by geography more than anything else. So the AVAs in California are the North Coast, the Central Coast, the Inland Valleys, the Sierra Foothills, and Southern California. Um, now, grapes were first introduced to California by Spanish missionaries um, and were initially there to make um, sweet fortified wines, altar wines, things like that. Um, but California was obviously supremely hit in the 1930s um, when prohibition <laughs> made the uh, consumption of alcohol illegal for, you know, um, a period of miserable time when nobody was allowed to have a drink. Um and prior to prohibition, the wines were generally medium sweet to sweet, and they were often named after famous European regions. So you'd end up with things like California Chablis, California Burgundy, California Rhine. Um, although more often than not, these wines had little or nothing to do with um, their namesakes. They were they were simply established brands that um, were used to sell wines on the domestic market. Um, but as the wine trade evolved, so did the labelling, and we have the, um, well, I guess the the sort of icon of Californian wine, uh, Robert Mondavi, who started to put the variety and the origin on the labels. So um, there we have it. And in the mid twentieth century, Cabernet and uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay were the two most planted uh, varieties, and improvements to both viticulture and vinification. Um, big, big strides were being made um, by Andre Chitlitzchev, uh, which is possibly the most difficult thing to say. I'm going to say today. Um, Historically, there was a bit of a landmark in 1976 when there was a kind of blind taste off between France and California. Um, And the 1973 Stag's Leap um, and Chateau Montalena uh, received top scores. And this kind of brought global attention to uh, to, uh, wines from California. They had a bit of a problem with rootstocks. Um, they kind of thought that they were phylloxera impervious. Um, vines had been typically grown on AXR1 rootstocks, um, which were not phylloxera resistant. Um, and then in the 1980s, uh, huge problems with phylloxera, which saw a, a massive replanting uh, start to take place. Um, but this was actually kind of a good thing because it included uh, things, like, or, or rather vignerons, uh, winemakers started to include things like site suitability, planting materials and canopy management when they started to replant their vineyards. 
We've gone through several phases with California. The 1990s, everybody remembers the 1990s. Well, not all of us do, but sadly I do. Um, Deep color, big concentration, high alcohol. This was led by consumer demand. Um, Equally, that was for the red wines. Whites also tended to be super high alcohol in ripe styles with lots and lots of new oak. Now, thank goodness this trend has more or less passed Um, and there is a greater diversity um, and and better quality, uh, as I said, with site location and grape suitability. Um, And now with uh, the advent of of programs like available in places like UC Davis, um, much more technical information being put into into winemaking. So California is influenced by two big things <laughs> the ocean and the mountains that's that's pretty much it so the ocean of course is the pacific the mountains you have a number of them the mayacamas and the vaca range as well as the um, uh, sierra nevada so we'll talk about those in a little bit more detail in a moment um, but let's first of all talk about the pacific so the california current causes cold water to rise and therefore keeps water temperatures cooler Uh, Vineyards which haven't got any ocean exposure with protection from the mountains are notably warmer than those who are exposed um, to the cooling influences of the Pacific Ocean. So California is fascinating because actually topography is more influential influential than latitude. Um, And some of the most southerly sites are actually the coolest, which you is sort of counterintuitive. Uh, the coast ranges, uh, which are in the north down as far as uh, Santa Barbara, provide shelter from the ocean. But there are gaps, um, and most of those gaps are sort of teamed up with uh, river valleys, which enable oceanic influences to travel quite a long way inland. Um, and as the sun warms up, the air, warm air rises and it pulls in cold air, uh, which results in a, a high diurnal range. Okay, diurnal range, what does that mean? Just means that there is a big differential between the temperatures during the day and during the night. Okay, and that's important for retaining freshness and acidity in the grapes. And acidity is a very funny thing. People always think of acidity as being an awful thing, but I'm sure every single one of us here has experienced that sort of trackier, dissolving, high acidity, nasty, cheap, I don't know, I'm going to be cruel to Pinot Grigio now, but Pinot Grigio, um, where literally it feels like your your stomach lining is, is, is burning as you drink. Well, that kind of acidity, yes, of course, that is bad. But we do need acidity in wine in order to keep the wine fresh and, um, and drinkable. So going back, um, air movement, uh, which cools vineyards, um, helps to reduce fungal threats, which is a good thing. It also helps to reduce frost risk. And it also slows down the ripening process, which allows sugar to uh, properly accumulate rather than, you know, a hot, fast uh, ripening. It gives a, a nice uh, long ripening um, period. So again, going back to the, the uh, Pacific, fogs uh, often form in the afternoon and um, they, they persist, uh, which cools things down, but, but it can also reduce sunshine, um, uh, sunshine uh, exposure. So potentially a good thing, potentially a bad thing. Altitude also acts as a cooling influence, uh, and 
California is a, is a kind of a wonderful place where you actually have vineyards that sit above the fog line, uh, which of course leads to cooler temperatures, but also long hours of sunshine, which aid in colour and tannin development. So without either the oceanic or the altitude influence, uh, regions like Sacramento or the San Joaquin Valley, um, which is sometimes called the Central Valley, those are much, much warmer. Um, and they're also the, the regions where we find an awful lot of the bulk wine that's produced in California. So I, I don't want to say the, um, I, don't want, I don't want to get into politics, but traditionally uh, California had benefited from a plentiful and uh, skilled Mexican uh, labor force, which is now sadly sort of in decline and, and somewhat under threat. Um, so some parts of the Central Valley have been set up for mechanization. And this is actually on the increase wherever the topography uh, allows. Obviously, you can't you can't mechanize on on very steep slopes, but um, where topography permits, it's it seems to be on the on the increase. Uh, California, as we've seen in recent years with the awful uh, wildfires, uh, suffers from a, a lack of rainfall during the growing season, and it means that irrigation is is pretty widely installed. Uh, drought and a falling water table um, on not just grapes but other agricultural farms has put enormous pressure on water resources and um, those resources are now being monitored um, and enforced. So the fact that there is not so much water means that we've got a low fungal risk, so low rain and high air circulation, uh, but there is there is one um, quite serious bacterial threat, which is Pierce's disease, um, the vector for which is a, a little bug called a sharpshooter, and for which, sadly, there is currently uh, no cure, which means if you've got it, you've got about five years, and then you're, you're pulling up and starting again. Uh, spring frosts can be problematic, um, but California has got the resources, the money to install things like sprinklers and wind machines, uh, which are both fairly commonly used. Um, going back to wildfires for just one second, of course, not only do they destroy hectares and hectares and hectares of of of, um, of, of ground, but also, of course, we have the the sort of double threat because you have uh, the possibility of smoke taint over a, a much much wider area. Sustainable growing, winemaking, and business practices are really key focuses, and sustainable wine growing and sustainable winemaking um, has really become quite a thing in California um, and the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance um, will offer assistance and help to, to be, for, for vineyards to become certified sustainable. So you've got things like, for example, um, Napa Green and Lodi rules. We'll cover those when we actually come to the those specific AVAs, but the, they're essentially organisations which uh, facilitate and help wineries become more uh, sustainable. Around about 75% of California's production does come from state-certified sustainable wineries, which is great news, but um, organic certification is much less common, but it is growing. In the US, this is a key differential between the US and the old world, uh, organic means no additional SO2 in the winemaking. But you can 
not get round it, but there is an alternative, which is certified organic grapes. That's a thing. So there's a teeny, teeny, tiny proportion of biodynamic because, you know, there's always going to be people who are willing to, to do that crazy thing. So, but there is a small, very small proportion of biodynamic. Um, and of all the grapes grown in California, roughly two thirds of them make their way into wine production with one third going into grapes and uh, table grapes and raisins. So let's talk about some grape varieties. We've got around about 35,000 hectares each of Cabernet and Chardonnay. You've got uh, between 15 and 18,000 hectares each of Pinot Noir, Zinfandel, and Merlot. And between five and 8,000 hectares each of French Colombard, Syrah, Pinot Gris, and Sauvignon Blanc. Um, California Chardonnay is made in a full spectrum of styles depending upon the site, climate, winemaking, and price point. So you can get everything from soft, unoaked, uh, easy drinking, fresher, leaner styles to full-on, ripe, use of malolactic, use of lees, um, new oak, you know, full-bodied um, belters. Uh, Cabernet is equally varied in the styles, uh, the, the range of styles that it produces. Um, sites with moderating influence, in other words, either altitude or proximity to the uh, Pacific, uh, often tend to produce fresher black fruit and some herbal notes with less body and lower alcohol. Uh, vineyard management here is kind of key so they do things like green harvest and they have long hang times which give uh, very concentrated very ripe styles often with full body and high alcohol Um, a lot of them are matured in oak um, and quite a lot of them in new oak Um, although these days maturation times are getting shorter than they once were um, because they're generally aiming for a better balance between fruit and and oak rather than being smacked in the face with a plank which is how it used to be uh cabernets are often or often sometimes blended with a small proportion of of, of other bordelaise uh grapes um especially the most uh, produ- uh prestigious and expensive examples uh moving on to pinot noir uh in the last 20 to 30 years plantings have grown rapidly and like uh chardonnay uh, the premium and super premium examples tend to come from cooler climate sites, as again with either oceanic or um, altitude influence. And styles range from medium plus acidity with medium body, medium alcohol, fresh flavours, red cherries, raspberries, you know, the usual things that you would expect from Pinot, to wines with greater body and alcohol, sort of medium to medium plus acidity, riper flavours and black fruits, sometimes even a bit jammy. Um, and in general, but in general, there is a trend for early picking with um, this is sort of very Burgundian proportion of whole bunch fermentation or stem inclusion, which um, enhances flavour complexity and uh, gives a more tannic structure. Uh, and sometimes a little fro- uh, French oak uh, maturation is thrown in as, as well. So on to Zinfandel, uh, which is often deemed sort of California's grape. You know, maybe Italy has a bit of a problem with that, but still. Um, you've got significant plantings, um, notably in Lodi, where you've got some amazing 100-plus-year-old old vines um, still churning out some some marvellous things. Uh, the problem with Zin is that it is prone to uneven ripening. Um, but it does retain medium plus acidity. It does give some fresh fruit. 
does also sometimes give you that sort of conf confected jammy uh, jammy notes but premium examples have as i said medium plus acidity medium to full body ripe tannins or uh, medium plus tannins raspberry typically blueberry and blackberry uh, american oak um, <laughs> let me burble that again american oak is often used um in the maturation process which really works well with with zin's kind of um juicy flavors and it kind of does that spice sharing um thing that really works so beautifully with zin um central valley zin which we need to talk about momentarily um is often made into rosé. For some reason, it got marketed as white zin. Nobody, I don't really know, knows why. Um, that's a short maturation on skins, then fermented in stainless steel in cool temperatures. They'll often leave, um, uh, rather, they'll often stop the fermentation early to leave a medium dry wine um, with lower alcohol, somewhere between sort of 10.5 and 11% ABV. Um, it offers medium acidity with sort of strawberry and fruit candy. It's inexpensive to mid-priced and acceptable. You can get one or two good examples, but um, yeah, it's it's for a market. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, Merlot, which was super popular in the 1990s and 2000s, um, when everybody wanted sort of soft, juicy, fruity, quaffable uh, wines, um, plantings have decreased um, because consumer tastes have changed. Um, most of it's inexpensive to mid-priced, medium acidity, medium tannins, plummy, fruity, you know, the general um, character, typicity for Merlot. But moderate climates like Stag's Leap and Oak Knoll, which are both in Napa, are now making premium Merlots and they have got higher acidity and tannin, super freshness and complexity of flavor um and they are sometimes blended with other bordeaux varieties uh colombard which is um i'm going to try and not be rude about it so it's basically it's a neutral white grape um it's used a lot in igp wines in southwest france uh, it's mostly grown in the central valley and it's used for inexpensive wines it's very seldom identified by varietal and is most often blended and labeled as dry white California wine. So on to Syrah, which is rising in popularity and uh, is best suited to areas with some sort of cooling influence, offers wines with medium to medium plus body, medium plus acidity and tannins, and fresh plum, blackberry and spice. There are, it should be said, a small number of Rhone varietal specialists um, who are growing Grenache, Sanso and Rhone whites as well, um, but more of that later. Um, so Pinot Gris, plantings are on the increase. Um, tends to make dry, fruity wines, pear, peach, melon, the usual stuff. Um, Sauvignon Blanc is also generally made into fruity style wines, um, cool temperature ferments in stainless steel with early release. There are some examples of um, oak uh, fermenter maturation styles, um, sometimes referred to as fumé blanc. And there are other European varietals grown, um, notably things like Petite Syrah, which is sometimes called Dourif, um, which is late ripening, does well on warm sites where it can produce really deeply coloured, full-bodied, medium acid and tannin wines with lots of black fruit and spice. Um, and it can also be used in blends to add colour and body. So that's kind of a rundown of the grapes. Let's talk a little bit about the law. This is where it gets complicated. So 
There are in California 140 AVAs. Yes, 140 AVAs. The North Coast, which is 100 miles long, to the tiny, tiny coal ranch in Mendocino, which is just 200 hectares. So got to get to grips with a lot of AVAs here. <laughs> Thank God we're not doing all 140. Right. If a grape is stated on the label, it must be 75%, minimum 75% of that grape. If it's labeled California, 100% of the grapes must come from California. If a county is stated on the label, a minimum of 75% must come from that county. If an AVA is stated on the label, at least 85% of the grapes must come from that AVA. And if a vineyard name is stated on the label, well, then we're up to 95%. Vintage rules differ according to IGP. However, if a wine is carrying an AVA label and a vintage, it must be 95%. But if it's only carrying a county or a state, it's 85%. Confused? Good. So was I. Um, estate bottled, if you see that on a label, that only applies if the vineyard and the winery is in the stated AVA. So across California, there are um, around 5,900 grape growers and 4,800 bonded wineries. Uh, many wine producing companies uh, own their own vineyards, but they also buy in fruit and weirdly sell their fruit to other people. Um, bought-in grapes can come from a different AVA or county, in which case you have the option to blend into uh, a large volume of fruits which come from a wider AVA, IV, i.e. like Central Coast, which is huge, or you can keep the fruit separate and make a wine exclusively from that fruit. Producers can act as merchants or grower merchants, which means that they can make a huge variety of wines. Um, the independent professional grape growers that farm thousands of hectares are a, an enormously important part of the business um, because grape prices vary according to supply and demand and prices vary dramatically with grower reputation, location and variety. Um, variety like Varieties such as um, Cabernet Sauvignon, for example, command a premium um, and Napa fruit is worth 10 times that of Lodi. So, you know, there are just massive, massive um, fluctuations in price. So now on to, well, let's deal with the North Coast AVA and then maybe I'll take a pause for a cup of tea because um, I'm going to need one, I think. So the North Coast AVA, um, Mendocino and the Lake Counties, which is the largest AVA in California. It's 100 miles long from north to south, um, 50 miles uh, wide from east to west, and includes no fewer than 54 other AVAs, or I guess, yeah, 54 other AVAs within it. Um, 16 in Napa, 18 in Sonoma, 12 in Mendocino, and 6 in Lake Counties. So, key influences, the Mayacamas range, which runs through the North Coast AVA and divides Mendocino from the Lake Counties AVAs, um, and extends uh, more than 50 miles south of Napa and Sonoma down to uh, San Pablo Bay. 
So Mendocino County, which runs along the Pacific Ocean to the west with uh, Lake County to the east and Sonoma to the south. Uh, around 110,000 hectares planted. Uh, sorry, no, that's wrong. 110,000 hectares available with 7,000 undivined. There we go. That makes more sense. Um, vineyards are grouped either in the cooler AVAs, which are closer to the Pacific, or further inland in warmer areas and planted at altitude. So there we have the influence of either the Pacific or um altitude coming in again. More coastal AVAs uh, like the Anderson Valley, they tend to specialise in Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and the more aromatic varieties, whereas the inland AVAs such as Redwood Valley, they're able to ripen Zinfandel, um, Syrah, Petite Syrah, Cabernet. Um, although you have got high altitude vineyards, places like Potter Valley, which can produce aromatic whites like Sauvignon Riesling. So there's always exceptions to the rule. But Mendocino fruit is generally priced lower than that of Napa and Sonoma. And the wines are often used in, in multi, multi-regional blends. Then we come on to Mendocino AVA, which starts at the headwater of the Russian River and covers um, six of the county's 12 AVAs. Yahoo. Anderson Valley, Yorkville Highlands, McDowell Valley, Potter Valley, Redwood Valley and Cole Ranch, a couple of which we've mentioned already. So Anderson Valley AVA is probably the the most well-known of the Mendocino AVAs. Um, It's a valley that runs uh, from northwest to southeast. Uh, Daytime temperatures can be warm, but cold air and fog are funneled inland along the Navarro River, giving cold evenings and mornings. Um, And the further inland the valley uh, goes, it becomes narrower and oceanic influences are um, reduced and conditions get warmer. It receives between 900 and 2000 millimetres of rain, uh, mostly in the winter and spring. And the majority of vines are grown on valley sides. Um, So frost can be an issue for for low-lying areas. Uh, We've got approximately 1,000 hectares each of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, which are both early ripeners um, and used for both the production of still and sparkling wines. Uh, Pinot Noir is particularly well regarded in in, uh, Anderson Valley, so that's worth taking note of. Uh, It gives fresh raspberry, cherry and plum medium body, medium acidity, generally good to outstanding. And prices can range from premium to super premium. Um, So watch out. Um, The other thing of note that's really kind of cool about Addison Valley is that it can grow the aromatic Alsace grapes very successfully. So Gewurztraminer, Riesling, Pinot Gris and um, Pinot Blanc. There are uh, approximately 85 wineries um, throughout the the Anderson Valley. Um, But its reputation for Pinot Noir means that grapes are in high demand and they fetch good prices. So well done, Anderson Valley, on your stellar Pinot Noir. Uh, Moving on to Lake County, uh, this kind of lies in the rain shadow of the Mayacamas to the west and the Vaca range to the east, which means it's got a warm climate. And most of the vineyards are located in the southern part of the county around Clear Lake. So Clear Lake AVA, which is the largest AVA in Lake County, um, the lake itself kind of takes up half the space, um, but it does provide afternoon breezes and the vines tend to be planted on the slopes around the lake at altitudes of sort of 400, 450 metres, which offer a cooling effect. Uh, Chiefly black grapes, mostly Cabernet Sauvignon, um, a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc, um, 
yeah, one or two prestigious wineries and vineyards, but many of the the, the less expensive and expensive grapes um, again end up in in multi region blends. So North Coast, North Coast, Sonoma County. I hope you're paying attention. So Sonoma County covers three hundred ninety thousand hectares between the Pacific Ocean. Um, and Lake Mendocino, Marin, and Napa counties. There are three overarching AVAs, which is Northern Sonoma AVA, Sonoma Coast AVA, and Sonoma Valley AVA. It's so big that not only do they overlap with each other, but they encompass a multitude of smaller geographic and micro-specific climates, um, sorry, micro-specific climate AVAs within them as well. So, um, yeah, get ready to have your mind stretched. So, Northern Sonoma AVA covers a large area from Mendocino in the north and the Mayacamas in the east and Santa Rosa to the south, and it's separated from the Pacific by the Sonoma Coast AVA. Russian River, which starts north of Mendocino County, flows through northern Sonoma AVA, filling underground aquifers before emptying into the Pacific. And it includes the following smaller AVAs. Alexander Valley, Knights Valley, Rock Pile, Chalk Hill, Russian River Valley, Green Valley of Russian River Valley, and Dry Creek. So Alexander Valley, which is in the top sort of northeast corner of Sonoma, warm climate, cooled by air funneled in through the Petaluma Gap in the evenings, vineyards planted on both the valley floor with west-southwest facing uh, vineyards. Um, No, let's redo that. So vineyards are planted both on the valley floor and on west-southwest facing slopes of the Mayacamas with an uh, elevation of uh, between 100 and 750 metres. So aspect and altitude result in long hours of sunshine, grapes with high colour and tannin, but the altitude helps retain acidity. You've got a mixture of soils. So on the valley floor where they're growing, you've got rich alluvial soil. Um, and then at altitudes, you've got uh, low nutrient free draining, which is generally going to lead to lower vigor and lower yields. You've got an average rainfall of 800 mils per annum, which falls mostly in winter, which is kind of borderline, let's be honest. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is the most widely planted and produces ripe, full-bodied wines. Blackberry, blackcurrant, dried herbs, chocolate, you name it, it's packing it. Um, The valley floor tends to produce wines with less tannin. Um, The ones grown on the slopes are are more structured, more concentrated. Um, Yeah, a little bit more elegant, maybe. Uh, Alexander Valley Cabernets are typically good to outstanding, mid-price to premium, some super premium. Uh, and there are notable plantings also of Chardonnay, Merlot, Zin, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. Um, if you're a watcher of names, uh, you're probably familiar with Kendall Jackson, who has got um, Stone Street uh, Estate in uh, Alexander Valley. In Knights Valley, so our second mini AVA, which is the farthest inland of all the AVAs in Sonoma and is separated from Napa by the Mayacamas, is one of the warmest areas in Sonoma County. Um, Surrounded by hills and sheltered from the cooling influences of the Pacific, 
You have got some cooler sites, um, which are found in the sort of Mayakamas foothills at around 450 metres. But warm temperatures, free-draining volcanic soils produce lots of ripe, full-bodied Cabernet, bits of Merlot, Syrah, Zin, Chard, Sauvignon. Those You can also find those there. So Dry Creek, onto Dry Creek AVA, which is best known for Zin and Sauvignon Blanc. Um, it's a really skinny valley it's uh two meters by sorry two meters two miles by 16 miles um which is, and the valleys are planted on on both the valley floor and the slopes and what they call the benchlands and these are either side of dry of the dry creek river which is a tributary of russian river so you're sheltered by the coastal mountains to the west you've got warm days but the mountains on either side funnel in cold air and fog so what happens is you get uh, late afternoon, evening cooling, um, which really helps with, again, with the uh, acidity retention. You've got little microclimates along the valley um, with the coastal influence. The south of the valley on the whole tends to be cooler. Whereas the west-facing vineyards on the eastern riverbanks have got the warm afternoon sunshine and um, warmer than the vineyards on the on the western slopes. You've got mixed soils of gravel and loam on the valley floor, plus you've got gravel, red clay and loam on the slopes. So again, free draining, which is um, assist, a, gr- a great assistance in the reduction of vigour and yield. And Dry Creek is particularly noted for its old vines in Fandel. Um, medium plus body to full body, medium plus acidity, ripe blackberry, plum, cherry. So west-facing vineyards you'll often get, because they're warmer, you kind of get that riper, jammier, dried fruit, whereas the east-facing um, vineyards, which are um, cooler, you get the sort of fresher, fresher styles. Um, oak maturation, uh, often a percentage of, of a new American oak, and you've got wines that range from good to outstanding and mid to premium price so yeah watch out they also grow some um, apart from the bordeaux varieties they also grow some grow some um rhone varietals and randomly some sauvignon blanc so there we go on to rock pile ava which is in the northern sector of sonoma and it actually overlaps with the dry creek ava so here we've got steep rocky slopes um and actually, one of the requirements of the AVA is that the vineyards have to be above 800 feet. Now, I'm trying to work that what that out, what that is in new money, and I can't, but 800 feet, reasonably, reasonably high up. Um, so you've got a, quite a wide variety of aspects and altitudes, heavily influenced by Lake Sonoma, which creates um, an inversion layer, keeping the vineyards quite warm at night. Um, but the vineyards have to sit above the fog line, and therefore they get long hours of sunshine you've got shallow hillside soils and high winds um, which does result in high evapotranspiration Um, that assists with low yields but ripe concentrated fruit basically it's i don't want to call it grape sweat but that's effectively what it is so um aside from uh that um, and, and the usual suspects that appear time and time again, like the Zin, the Syrah, the Cab, the Cab Franc, Malbec and Petit Verdot. Um, Rockpile is, is noted for uh, the inclusion of some Douro varieties. Um, so come get your Tariga Nacional here. 
on to Russian River AVA, which is located in the centre of Sonoma County and crosses both northern Sonoma AVA and Sonoma County AVA and parts of Sonoma Coast AVA. Happy days. So a, ra- a range of flat and hilly topography, climate ranges um, from moderate to warm. Uh, southern and western regions are, regions are the coolest because they get the fog and the winds through the Petaluma Gap. And the fog arrives early in the morning sorry, early in the evening and is generally gone by the morning. So temperatures during this period are sufficiently reduced to, to slow down ripening, um, slow down sugar accumulation, help with the retention of acidity, help with the re- retention of aromas, flavor phenols, all that good stuff. All of that's improved by this, this cooling influence. So yay. Uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay um, are both widely planted because they both ripen early. You've got a mixture of soils here, yellow sandstone, uh, rocky, sandy, loamy, um, but on the whole, they're all pretty much free draining and lower nutrients. Guess what? That helps control what? Vigor and yield. There we go. We've learned something today. Uh, fruit quality and the rising popularity of Pinot Noir has seen the AVA boundaries extended twice um, and plantings have increased from 1,600 hectares in the late 1990s to over 7,200 hectares in 2013. So that's like a ginormous exponential explosion. Um, Pinot Noir tends to be medium to medium plus bodied, medium tannin, medium plus acidity, strawberry, red chelly, chelly, cherry, uh, vanilla spice from oak maturation, the Chardonnays, medium to medium plus in body, medium plus in acidity, with ripe peach, pineapple, creaminess, because they do MLF on it, and spices from from oak. So with both grapes, the wines range from good to outstanding, mid-price to super premium. Um, And if you want to go and have a look at a super duper producer, I would suggest you go and have a look at La Crema because they're great. Um, Inland and up to the northeast of the AVA, the vineyards are actually sheltered by hills from the fog and the breezes. So the conditions up there are um, a little bit warmer. Um, so that's best suited for Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot Zin, and for the riper styles of, of Chardonnay and, and Pinot Noir. You've then got two sub-AVAs. You've got Green Valley of Russian River AVA and Chalk Hill. So Green Valley of Russian River is located next to the Petaluma Gap. So it gets kind of the first fogs of the day in the early afternoon, which carry on through to the morning, as we've just seen previously. Um, and results in some of the coolest conditions in Northern California. Uh, the majority of vineyards are on free-draining, low-nutrient nutri- low sandstone, um, which limits vigour and also produces very small concentrated grapes. So Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are the most planted varieties and are used for both still and sparkling wines. Wine styles are similar to Russian River Valley, but they have a higher acidity and fresher fruit flavours. Whereas Chalk Hill AVA, which is located in the northeast corner of the Russian River Valley, um, just south of the Alexander Valley, um, is a hilly area which blocks some of the Pacific breezes and um, you create a warmer climate than in surrounding areas. So the soil here is volcanic ash and not chalk. (laughs) Good name then. Um, And vineyards are planted from the valley floor up to 500 metres. Um, Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc are the most notable varieties here. 
on to Sonoma Coast AVA, which runs from Mendocino in the north to Marin County and San Pablo Bay in the south. Um, it also includes part of Conneros, uh, Sonoma Valley, Chalk Hill and Russian River Valley. And <laughs> that kind of results in a wide variety of climates and ranges of grapes. So to the west, close to the Pacific, vineyards have got exposure to both uh, cold ocean winds and fog. Uh, so the cool, breezy conditions in spring often result in disrupted fruit set and therefore lower yields. That's kind of a, a given. You get crappy, windy weather in the spring and you're a bit screwed for the rest of the season. Um, so growing conditions are cool, sunlight limited by fog, so it's best suited for early ripening grapes like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, which dominate. But um, they actually produce relatively light-bodied, high-acid wines with medium alcohol. So, um, yeah, a little bit different in style. Um, for producers, uh, have a look at Occidental. Um, so... Fort Ross Sea View AVA, which is located in the northwest of Sonoma Coast AVA. Vineyards must be at least 280 meters. So we switched from feet to meters. Okay. I love consistency in style. Anyway, um, 200 meters, 280 meters above sea level for AVA, for the AVA, um, which basically means that it has to sit above the fog layer, um, which means it has longer exposure to sunlight hours and warmth compared to the surrounding Sonoma coast. Um, coastal winds produce a moderating influence and so the, the wines tend to have riper fruit but they maintain a high fresh acidity and again we're in the classic sort of Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Syrah realm here. We then move on to the Petaluma Gap AVA, which is actually in Sonoma County and north of Marin County. Um, it extends from the eponymous Petaluma Gap in the North Coast Range to San Pablo Bay. So it's open to the coast at both ends. So this causes high-speed wind action through the AVA, which made me laugh when I wrote it, and it's making me laugh when I say it. Um, the AVA boundaries are defined according to an area uh, which maintains a steady eight-mile-an-hour um, pace through the growing season, which I also found quite hilarious. There we go. So wind lowers temperatures, but it might be strong enough, actually, to close the leaf stomata, which... Um, slows respiration and photosynthesis. So we like it, but we don't like too much of it, is basically the, the story there. 75% uh, of the plantings are Pinot Noir, followed by Chardonnay and a little bit of Syrah. Um, wines tend to be, unsurprisingly, high in acidity, fresh fruit flavours, often lower in alcohol compared to the warmer sheltered AVAs around it. Um, Sonoma Valley AVA is in the southeast of Sonoma County and bordered to the east by the Mayacamas and the Sonoma Mountain Range to the west. Uh, these provide shelter from the Pacific breezes. Um, and the most southerly part of the AVA is actually uh, the coolest because it opens onto San Pablo Bay. Uh, the cold winds from the bay help to moderate temperatures and lead to slower ripening. Help, unhelpfully, though, it's also got three sub-AVAs within Sonoma Valley AVA. So you've got Sonoma Mountain AVA, Bennett Valley AVA, and Carneros AVA. So Sonoma Mountain is on the western side of Sonoma Valley. <laughs> um, most vineyards are east-facing um, on quite steep slopes and at altitudes of up to about 730 metres, which, again, is above the fog line. So you've got intense sun, warm temperatures, which result in ripe flavours, high tannins, deep colours, 
Um, but the cold air descending uh, helps to uh, retain acidity. You've got volcanic soils here, free draining, low nutrient. Yep, once again, controlling vigor and yield. Um, so all these factors contribute to concentrated ripe Cabernet Sauvignon, which is the most planted variety here. Merlot, Zin, Syrah, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Semillon. Uh, these are generally planted on uh, cooler sites to the west, which has a bit more of a coastal influence. Then we have Bennett Valley AVA, and the sub-AVA is one of the smallest in Sonoma County. Um, uh, surrounded by hills, giving it a warm, sheltered condition, cool air and fog through the break in the hills at night. Not an awful lot to say about this one. Syrah, Merlot, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay are the key varieties. Um, you've also got a bit of Grenache being planted there now, and uh, Viognier. On to Carneros, which is um, between San Pablo Bay to the south and Sonoma and Napa counties to the north. Um, it's one of these uh, strange ones where Carner Carneros AVA is actually shared between um, two other, you know, two, two, two different parts of California. Part of it's in Sonoma, part of it's in, in Napa. But more of that in a second. So um, the proximity to San Pablo Bay... Obviously, again, we've got fog, cold winds in the morning and the evening, but daytime temperatures are warm um, and you've got fairly low elevations here. It's only around uh, 200 meters. So it's best known for Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, um, some of which is used for sparkling. Uh, the wine styles here tend to be medium bodied, uh, medium alcohol, medium plus acidity, fresher fruit. Uh, you can get full, fuller bodied and riper examples with um, with higher alcohol. Uh, on the whole, good to outstanding, mid to super premium in price. Um, you've also got Merlot, Syrah and Cabernet Sauvignon being grown here. Um, if you're looking for a top producer, go and talk to somebody about Kistler. Um, so here we need to just clear up this um, <laughs> confusion or confusing matter that Carneros is both in Sonoma and in Napa. So wines can be labelled Carneros or Los Carneros, either or. Um, the AVA overlaps both Sonoma and Napa. So if the grapes and the wine come from Sonoma... They may be labelled Sonoma County, or if they come from Napa, they can be labelled Napa County. If there's a mixture of Sonoma and Napa grapes, they just have to be labelled Carneros, and you can't refer to either. So that's that. But the really interesting thing about Carneros is it was one of the very first um, regions in California back in the 1980s that was recognised for, for a cool to moderate climate. Um, long before many of the other uh, regions were. So um, that was a real kind of win for, for Carneros. Um, lots of the bigger companies uh, in, in both Sonoma and Napa have got vineyards in Carneros and they use the fruit to provide higher, a higher acid fresh fruit um, in blends, um, especially from, from grapes from, from warmer conditions. Right, going to take a pause, then we'll deal with Napa. See you for part two.